0: Two pitch, a swing a Deep left, way back. Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, joined today by J.J. Cooper, Big news in baseball to start the week off. The Astros' uh, punishment for sign stealing came down yesterday. Commissioner Rob Manfred laying down the hammer in some ways, and some other ways, people think uh, the punishment wasn't enough. The long and short of it is uh, Jeff Lunau, the general manager, and AJ Hinch, their manager suspended for the 2020 season Uh, they were summarily fired by owner jim crane shortly after the report was released the astros are stripped of their 2020 and 2021 first and second round draft picks and they were fined five million dollars the maximum allowable fine under the major league constitution Uh, the four draft picks are the most that have ever been stripped from a team Uh, we mentioned the fine, the maximum allowable amount and uh, losing both your general manager and your manager for a full year and then eventually for good is also a punishment that uh, I don't believe is, has precedent. Uh, JJ, what was your first thought when you saw the punishment handed down to the Astros uh, and also just your uh, thoughts on how deep the uh, cheating and sign stealing went and how long it went on?
1: Uh, the the thing that really struck me, I guess not initially, but but pretty soon thereafter was – It was interesting. You read the report. A.J. Hinch, it's pretty clear in the report, was not a fan of the sign stealing, but he's the manager and he didn't stop it. Jeff Lunau, it says in the report, there is evidence that Jeff Lunau knew about the sign stealing. Jeff Lunau himself, even though there apparently are emails that MLB detailed uh, that say that that he knew, Jeff Lunau says he didn't know. The, I think the important point for long-term that happened here is MLB basically said that doesn't matter. And I think if you're looking at the long-term effects of this, that's what's very important here. If MLB, if Commissioner Rob Manfred had punished based on, okay, we have to have clear, overwhelming proof that you are responsible for this, and they had punished some underlings and all, then it would have created a culture where if you're the president of baseball ops or you're a GM or you're the manager, the best way to approach this is know nothing. (laughs) Deliberately go out of your way to not know about these things. Never put it in writing, things like that. Because the penalty basically said, A.J. Hinch, we do not care if you were the driving force behind it we're saying it happened you're the manager therefore you're penalized jeff lunow we don't have to have you know visual evidence of you helping them set it up we don't have to have emails saying necessarily you know that you laid out the plans you're in charge of the team you're the general manager the president of baseball ops and so you are the one that we are going to penalize and punish harshly what i think is very important and I think is is impressive about this penalty is by doing it this way. If you're a GM, if you're a manager, it now going into 2020 and beyond, it is going to be very much part of your job to make sure that this kind of thing is not happening and you don't know about it. Because World's
0: compliance all of a sudden becomes a a bigger, more prominent part yes. of the federal manager's job.
1: Yes, because if you don't, you could suffer an uh, an almost ultimate penalty because the reality of it is, is that losing or being suspended from a GM job or a manager's job, these careers are finite. That is about as significant a penalty as you can have. I mean... It's one of the largest penalties we've ever seen. It's not John Capolello's penalty. It's not Chris Correa's penalty because he ended up in, in prison because he committed a felony. But, uh, but it's, it's everything but that. And again, and you know, I, would, I would love to kind of what your thoughts are, but that's the thing that really stands out to me is that 2020 and beyond, you're going to have presidents of teams and GMs who basically make it clear you're not going to do this Under my watch, because I'm not going to lose my job for a pretty modest uh, improvement in in, in chance to win.
0: You know, one of the things that kind of jumped out to me about whenever there's very CEOs or CFOs or uh, executives, you know, and there's something that some malfeasance took place under their watch, the way that you know they're told to act is you're either a criminal or an idiot, pick one, because in things where that's actually a crime, you do have to have some intent. And so a lot of times they plead ignorance. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know what in fact they really did know. Um, I thought it was important that obviously, you know, this is not on the same level as white collar crime uh, or financial crimes, but I did think it was important that Rob Manfred set the standard of look, this is your organization if you don't know what's happening in your organization, it basically, you either knew and didn't act, or if you didn't know, you shouldn't, should have known, and I'm gonna punish you for that. And I think that's probably the strongest deterrence moving forward, because you're right. If they had said, hey, you know, they, they didn't know, and, and they believed that, and they said, because they didn't know, we're not gonna do anything about it. Um, you know, that would have been the, the argument every executive from now into eternity would have made, oh, I didn't know, and that's how they would save their jobs. Um, you know, Manfred made very, very clear in his report that he had told uh, everyone involved during his memo prior to the 2018 season that the general manager and manager would be held responsible. This was not a secret. The Astros knew it and they continued to, A, again, either ignore it or uh, lie about it, which neither of which, uh, you know, was going to get you off the hook. So um, that was an important deterrence. It's interesting to me seeing, you know, the reaction we've had a little under 24 hours to digest this. A lot of fan bases are saying this wasn't enough. They should have been hit even harder. Um, And I think there's an argument for that. But again, so much of, of punishment in all aspects of life is based on precedent. And if you base this on precedent, as we went over, this is the most draft selection that have ever been stripped from a team. This is the maximum allowable fine. And having both your general manager and your manager suspended for the period of a year uh, with the promise of of being placed on the permanently ineligible list if they violate any of their conditions, uh, and then having them necessarily be summarily fired by the owner, does strike me as a very strong penalty. I I do feel like this was strong enough. There's no avenue to take the World Series trophy away. And I think that would be pointless anyway, because we all see how that works in the NCAA when. Everyone knows 2004 USC uh, won the college football title. Everyone knows 2013 Louisville won the college basketball title. The fact that they were sanctioned and it's been quote-unquote vacated, no one really respects that or responds to that. So I do think this was probably the most they could have done. Uh, I put on Twitter yesterday, I was intrigued by the thought of making them return the money uh, they earned from their postseason successes in 17 and 18 as kind of a way of saying, hey, you're not going to financially gain from this. That would have been a fine of nearly $41 million or just over $41 million. Um But again, you can't do that under the Constitution. So I think given the constraints and the precedent, I do feel like this was an okay level of punishment.
1: So the the other thing that stands out to me, and it will be interesting to see what happens going forward is is that, as as you noted, there not only were AJ Hinch and, and Jeff Lunow suspended, but then they were soon thereafter fired um, I, I, It was interesting to see for one it was interesting to see the two responses uh, both Jeff Lunow and AJ Hinch released uh, you know statements uh, about their punishments I, I think it's again I try to be objective on these I, I think it's fair to say that that AJ Hinch's was more of was less defensive um was more of uh, of accepting that of his role and saying you know uh, and apologizing there was apologies in jeff Lunow's, but it also jeff Lunow was pretty clear of saying that he's saying he did not know about this uh and and again I, i'm trying it's it's a it's a statement you're trying not trying there's no tone in a statement but i kyle would you agree with me i I would say that that statement was a little more um defensive or defiant
0: oh Uh, i will go a step further everything jeff luna has done from the brandon taubman scandal all the way through this it reads like a guy who worked for mckinsey and company and was a ceo of a company i mean he's this is classic top level business type responses you know it's not really my fault my underlings below me did everything yeah, There's been absolutely lot of obstinance. There's been a little bit of elitism, like who are you to tell me how to do my job? Jeff Luno has acted how everyone in corporate America at the top level that's installed in a scandal acts. Uh, Luno has been... Obstinate. He's been kind of arrogant in a lot of ways. He's dealt with this. Uh, going back to the uh, Stephanie Epstein piece where you know he denies and you know he's, he's fighting it tooth and nail. And then when Steph Epstein is literally in the room and he says, I haven't had time to apologize to her. And he never did, by the way. Jim Crane was the one who stepped up and cleaned that up. J- Jeff Lunau never did a thing about it. So, to me, it was very uh, in step with Lunau and who he is, and that has been an issue that Manfred uh, addressed in the report with the uh, atmosphere and the culture of the Astros under Lunau. Whereas Hinch, you know, you'll remember, was the one who went up and was kind of the adult in the room when everything broke, with the Sports Illustrated uh, kind of scandal, if you will. And Hinch has always been a classy individual. Um, He clearly knew about this and did nothing about it, and that is on him, and he needs to own that, and he has. Um, but, but the way Hinch has always carried himself has been, hey, you know, been, been up front, been forthright and been direct. Um, I think already A.J. Hinch had a lot more respect in baseball in the world in general than Jeff Lunau did. I think the way they've handled this has only widened that gulf. I, I strongly believe A.J. Hinch will be hired by a major league team in 2021 as a manager somewhere. I don't know if Jeff Lunau is ever going to be a general manager again. I think someone will bring him on maybe as a consultant, maybe as, you know, he was a scouting director before, maybe doing something with amateur scouting. But after this, you can still trust A.J. Hinge to lead your organization and be, you know, some, a somewhat respectable figure. I don't think that's true of Jeff Lunau. I really don't.
1: I, I will not go that far. I do think that there's a decent chance that Jeff Lunau – Jeff Lunau has been very successful and – uh, there are many, many examples in sports of people who have done significantly more damaging uh, you know, things worthy of, of harsher penalties who ha- have come back and played large roles again. And I think at the end of the day, I think you're right. I think that he ends up as a special assistant somewhere. You know, Do remember there are several. He'll get a uh, job.
0: I don't think he'll ever lead an but, organization as a general manager again
1: and i think at some point at some point he is the reality of it is is that he has demonstrated that he can win a world series because he's done so and there are not many gms out there there are not many presidents out there you know who who have done that now admittedly <laughs> dave dombrowski's demonstrated that and it did you know didn't keep him uh, in boston for a whole lot of time after that but but again, I, I would not be shocked at all. Um, but I do want to take it with that, that the other interesting thing with this, and one thing, again, you know, just reading kind of a variety of, of responses, MLB made a point, Manfred's statement made a point about the culture of the Astros. And again, I, you want to not get too far into, I, I, it is fair to say, Uh, as an over of an overarching statement it is fair to say that around baseball even among people of other teams who respect how the astros won a world series take the sign stealing out of it respect the team that they have built the astros and the astros front office especially jeff lunow are not particularly popular because they have done a lot of things that are not going to win popularity contest it's Whoa, a feature it's not it's a bug well, let me, but hold on but yeah it, it's a feature not a bug with the astros which is the astros have long not cared about public perception it is you wouldn't it It is what would lead them to feeling comfortable of getting rid of a lot of scouts and both on the amateur and pro side there are other teams who maybe would have had the same idea but did not want the blowback the astros don't mind having the blowback but then you do have to ask the questions that kind of lead to this as well
0: well i think you know one of the things that came to mind and and to peel back the curtain for our listeners uh you know we in baseball america there, there have been a lot of times we've talked to people in baseball about the astros and what that workplace environment is it, you've been the head of this and, and i i you know for you i mean what is that the most common response you have uh, you know you and i talked about this before the show started and we'll bring it up here they've had a lot of prominent individuals leave the organization without other jobs in hand they eventually get other jobs but there there's been a lot of interesting defections at times and look you and i have both had conversations with individuals who have said just the way the astros as a workplace is not a healthy place that people want to be in
1: uh, it it is notable now the Astros have had a significant brain drain of people being hired directly. You know, they have jobs there and they move on to somewhere else, you know, and they, they've had a couple of, uh, you know, uh, of assistants leave to become GMs elsewhere. Well, that's, that's the normal progression that we see. You know, you see with David Stearns, you see of Mike Elias, that's normal. That is a successful club and you see people leave because they get a better title somewhere else. And that's, the normal advancement that you're going to see. But what you have also seen with the Astros that you don't see with most teams, most, especially most successful teams is, as you said, as people in prominent roles who let their contracts expire. And eventually they do. I mean, again, often it does not take long. They landed jobs elsewhere, but that doesn't normally happen with very successful teams. That happens very rarely with the teams who are at the top. Now there are a couple of things with that. One of the things that is notable that we have heard, and I've heard countless times about Jeff Lunau's front office is he wants to run, he wanted, I guess I should say now, to run an extremely lean, efficient, call it if you want to cheap front office and One of the ways, one of the things you see with that, and one of the things you've seen with this, again, they've had some brain drain for people leaving, but at the time of his dismissal, they had one non-player special assistant to the GM and one assistant GM. Now, that's that in itself is highly unusual for baseball teams in general, but it's exceptionally unusual when you talk about teams that just won a world series normally what happens with very successful teams is is call it title creep if you want everyone moves up the ladder the gm becomes the president someone who was an assistant gm becomes the gm someone who was a director some directors become you know assistant gms or special assistants to the gm assistant directors become directors. It's like the way that you reward success is everyone moves up the, the, the ladder. To give you an example, I, I did a little number you know, crunching before we started this. The Nationals who beat the Astros in the World Series this year have a president slash GM, seven assistant GMs, 12 special assistants to the GM, and seven directors. That's 27 people in those titles. And I'm talking, when I say in those titles, I'm talking about in baseball. I'm not talking about the business side. I'm not talking about in ticket sales. I'm talking about what would be loosely described as baseball operations. The Dodgers, a president, a senior vice president, four vice presidents, two of which are also assistant GMs, four special assistants, nine directors. That's 19 people. The Astros... Today, now, again, they did have their GM just dismissed, and they did have an assistant GM, Brandon Taubman, also dismissed recently. But with that, they have one special assistant, one assistant GM, five directors, and two senior directors. So it's just a a much smaller front office, which also makes for what, looking ahead, Kyle, I I think it makes it very interesting what's going to happen here, because- you know, there, there's obviously two choices. You either promote from within, which would probably be Pete Putilla, or you go on the outside to bring in someone either as the permanent GM or is the GM for the 2020 season to get you through, and then you you do something, you know, for 2021 20, and beyond. But that's that's going to be very difficult, very interesting because this is not a situation that teams usually see.
0: Not at all. And one of the interesting aspects of this too, putting it back on the field, the 2020 Astros, even though they lost Garrett Cole in free agency and you can't you know, ever downplay how, how big of a loss that is, you don't lose Garrett Cole and get better. This is still a team that should contend, that, that will be the favorite to win the American League West, that should contend for a deep postseason run. And now we have to see, you know, does this throw things into disarray? You know, A.J. Hinge having a a steady manager, and I've long said for my money, he was the single best manager in baseball. Um, You know, how much losing him is going to affect them on the field. And that's where, to me, you know, the punishment that that won't necessarily be, you know, direct punishment, but it will be an effect of this is, is how this affects the Astros on the field for years to come. Um, being without that leadership through 2020, maybe it takes away an opportunity from the, for them to again compete for a World Series. Um, then we obviously have the loss of draft picks, you know, 2020 and 2021. Um, even though they would have been picking toward the back of the first round uh, and the back of the second round, it's like they're losing top five, top 10 picks here. You know, not having you know top-level first-round, ta- first and second-round talent for two consecutive years, especially after you've traded a lot of your recent top picks to build up for this World Series, there's not going to be a lot in the farm system. You know, when they have to start you know making choices about who we're keeping, who we're letting walk in free agency, and that time is coming, uh, really after the 2021 season in a lot of ways. So, I will be interested to see you know the ripple effect and how this affects the Astros franchise. I do think it will affect their ability to compete. Um, a little bit in 2020, and we'll see it get exponentially larger in 2021, 2022, 2023. And I think that's kind of an ancillary penalty here that, again, isn't direct. You're not saying you are forbidden from making the postseason. But I think, in effect, it will hurt their ability to do so, uh, at least to, for the early part of this upcoming decade.
1: Uh, but So let me – I'm going to dive in. I think, as A.J. Hinch is a very good manager, I do think, though, that is the easier part here. And what I mean by that is, is that, okay, you hire a new manager. Like there are still available top-notch managers, or you promote from within. Whichever way you do that, that's something you can adjust to and kind of roll along in some ways. Managers get replaced pretty, pretty frequently. On the front office side, on the scouting side, on the player development side, on the analytics side, the it's Astros- It's
0: built image. They have to revamp it.
1: Well, that's, that's the question. So, so what Jim Crane faces now is your choices are, do you, if you promote from within, you can try in some way to basically keep the, the structure, keep the foundation that you were already using in place and then try to change the culture, change, modify so that these kind of things do not happen. But at the same time, if, again, if Pete Putillo, again, Pete Butella or Kevin Goldstein or the, you know, who full disclosure used to work here at BA, um, you know, and we've known for a long time, or, you know, if one of those two is promoted, it then does mean that the infrastructure, the structure, at the coaches in the minor leagues, the training staff, the analytics, the scouting that is done, let's say the Astros scouting is done a lot more in warehouses watching video, and a lot more with edutronics and, and high-speed cameras doing a, a lot of analysis than it is with other teams. The choices are either, if they do that, the Astros kind of move along doing that. and. From an organizational standpoint, it, it does mean – because do remember, we are now – we're in January. Everyone has already signed contracts for the uh, for the 2020 season. So, And also, everyone for every other team pretty much has signed contracts also already for the 2020 season. So if Jim Crane decided to go out of house and hire a new GM and bring someone in, and especially let's say they brought someone in who is not – does not want the entire organization to be run in the way that Jeff Lunau ran it, well then that leads to a very complicated 2020 because all these people, all these coaches, scouts, the video scouts, the analytics, everything is already in place and locked in for 2020. Now, does that mean that you could not, you know, there, there are some out of work scouts if you wanted to bulk up the scouting department, but, you're not going to be able to do significant changes for 2020. And then from a culture standpoint, you potentially would have everyone in the organization looking over their shoulder at every level in 2020, wondering, am I going to be here in 2021, which is not great for a development for scouting for anything. And so this is a a potentially very complicated uh, situation and one that kind of almost makes it hard to go out of house for 2020. You could go out of house at the end of the 2020 season, and then you're in kind of back in the normal timetable, but it's very hard to bring in someone from the outside at this point, unless that person is saying, we're gonna keep going as we've been going, because everyone's already locked up.
0: Another aspect to this that's fascinating is the 2017 World Series. Now, just to be clear, the report found that the Astros engaged in this behavior, uh, stealing signs in 2017 and 2018 they found nothing in 2019 but 2017 and 2018 were affected the 2017 world series obviously the first world series victory in astros franchise history uh, seven games over the dodgers and a lot of people out here on the West Coast, uh, the LA media, uh, Bill Plasky wrote a scathing column yesterday that did make some good points how, you know, the attitude now is the Dodgers were cheated out of a world series title. And I want to get your thoughts on that and whether or not, you know, how valid that is and, and what this means moving forward for how this world series is remembered. Um, I was at uh, the games in Houston, all three of them. I covered this world series. I think for me, the biggest thing still is, is obviously, look, this very likely had an effect. There's no denying that. Um, to me, the Dodgers still had chances to win this World Series, even with everything that that took place as it did. Uh, to me, you know, I still think the Dodgers. Really lost themselves this World Series. Uh, their decision to pull Rich Hill after four innings of Game Two—you'll remember—I was I was banging the table about that when it happened. To me, that was still one of the all-time World Series blunders. How that set up their bullpen for that game, and the rest of the series, uh, and obviously it, it cost them that game. Um, they also did not make you know the pitches or, or the plays they needed to make in Game Seven at home. Uh, you know they were down three-two going back home. They won Game Six and Game Seven. They, they didn't. They almost didn't show up. Um, so to me, the Dodgers still had chances to win this World Series. I, I, you know, Game Two, which was in LA, they blew that through their own poor decision making. Um, game Seven at home in LA, they had a chance to to lock it up, and, and they kind of no showed. So, to me, it's hard for me to say that definitively that the Dodgers. You know, not that I'm really saying this, but you know, the Astros only won the title because they cheated. The Dodgers are are the real champs. You know, nothing like that. I, I still think the Dodgers you know, shot themselves in the foot the series really, really badly. And it's a pattern that keeps repeating itself uh, in their postseasons. But I do think you do have to view this 2017 World Series in a different light now. Um, you know, Bill Plaschke's call made the point, you know, Clayton Kershaw was firing bullets in game one. It was one of the best postseason performances of his career. And, and recently in World Series, then he goes to Houston and he can't get out of the fifth. He blew a four-run lead and a three-run lead. Um, you know, did this alter perceptions of you, Darvish, and, and what he's like? You know, in big games in the postseason, it's an interesting thought to me. Um, I don't know where, where do you stand on it. Again, I, I feel like the at the Dodgers did lose this World Series. They had chances to win it, and it was their their decisions in their home games that hurt them. Um, but it does change the light on it a little bit.
1: Oh, I think it's utterly tainted. <laughs> you you mentioned you in a, in a, in passing, you Darvish. You Darvish was absolutely shelled in game three in Houston.
0: Yep. I was there. It was, it was rough. It was I think five or six straight balls of you know, hundred mile an hour eggs of lawsuits. They, it, it was like they knew what was coming and now we know they, they did. Might, they, they might knew have. what was coming. <laughs> right. They might've.
1: And, and I've talked to people, I uh, you know, like over the last two years, there have been people who say I'm, they we're confident that this, that this was in some way happening. Now, again, I, you know, it went seven games. The, the reality of it is is, did the Dodgers screw up things? Absolutely.
0: They did win did, a game in Houston as well, game four.
1: Right. Did that happen? Absolutely. However, they had an advantage. And unless we find that the Dodgers were doing the same thing I, If you're a Dodgers fan, I think it is completely and utterly fair to feel like you were cheated. If you're a Dodgers official, if you're a Dodgers player, to feel like you were cheated out of a World Series title. The reality of it is, is that went seven games. If they had won in four, if they'd have won twice in L.A. and then twice at home, well, don't come to me with it. You know, because, again, there was there, there was there's a limit to how much that this you know could help. But in a series where a one hit here or one hit there could be the difference, yes, you could absolutely say that that may have been the difference. And I, again, I will come back to a, a couple of things that I think are important to note with this. One, we will never know for sure how much difference it made. We do know that they considered it enough of a difference to keep doing it after being threatened with severe penalty. And that's significant. Two, I think it's also worth noting that as we will hear, as we're gonna have an investigation into the 2018 World Series champs and, and what happened there, that does not absolve what the Astros did. It may be very true that other teams did it the best way i can explain this and it's not unique to me it's just kind of obvious is if i'm on the interstate and the speed limit's 70 and i'm going 90 and three other cars are going 90 and i'm let's say i'm in virginia so i get pulled over and i get put in jail for it because virginia they don't they don't mess around with speeding but if i get put in jail my complaint cannot be this isn't fair. Three other cars got through the answer. The question is, did the Astros cheat? And the answer is they did the fact that other teams also may have cheated. And again, I have no problem with them being found out and punished as well, but that does not absolve the Astros were found to have cheated and the reality of it is, is that I think part of it also comes down to no one else was crazy enough to use a trash can. Like, <laughs> it, it was so obvious that, uh, you know, give credit to Ken Rosenthal and Evan Drellich to The Athletic for the initial reporting and give credit to Jeff Passon, who mentioned a trash can a couple of years ago, and give credit to John Boy. But once you saw that video, this day was always coming because it was undeniable, and Again, I do think, yes. I mean, if you're the Dodgers, you absolutely have to shake your heads about this. If you're the Yankees, if it comes out, you know, again, we had Apple Watchgate and all that. But the margins in these series is very small. And so a little margin could be enough.
0: So on the final accounting, you have general manager and manager losing their jobs. First and second round draft picks being stripped. $5 million fine a World Series title that is tainted not undeniably and an uncertain future, do you feel like the punishment was enough? Do you feel like there should have been more? How do you assess the level of punishment and whether it was appropriate?
1: I, I agree with you completely. The taking away the World Series was something that was never going to happen. And I, I find that almost really unrealistic. We have no example of that vacated titles are, are kind of stupid in many ways. Agree, um, But at the end of the day, the, the key thing that just stands out to me more than anything here is if you look at it, if I'm a GM or if I'm a manager, this punishment absolutely will deter in my mind future actions like this. I, I think if I'm a manager, if I'm a GM, I would be crazy to try to implement something like this going forward. And that to me means that it's an effective- Or allow issue.
0: something to flourish, even if you don't implement it, because neither of them implemented it, but they allowed it to happen.
1: Yes, that, that's what I'm saying, This is absolutely. I do believe that at the end of the day, this will encourage teams to make sure, the bosses to make sure that their teams are not doing things like this. And so then, yes, I think it's effective. I also think, I know it's going to be the back of the first round, the back of the second round probably we're talking about for those Astros picks, but I'm going to write something up about this today. Take a look at that 2017 Cardinals draft where they were handed the, the most, the harshest punishment until this in, in recent years. That's a terrible draft. Now, again, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, the Astros will do better than that of drafting where, They don't get to spend a million dollars on anybody in the draft. But the Cardinals, when they lost two picks, there is no one in that draft. Their first pick that year was 94, and effectively, they got no one in that draft who is going to really make an impact for them. If that happens in back-to-back drafts for the Astros at a time where they're losing players to free agency and a system that is thinner than it used to be, uh, that is going to be very difficult for them. Uh, it, is, it is something where I do think the draft penalty is going to be significant as well.
0: And we'll see how it all plays out in the future. Uh, but again, in the present, uh, two uh, respected uh, – ex- well, one ex- respected executive and one respected manager are out of a job, and uh, a poll has been cast over the Astros franchise JJ, thank you so much for joining us to break it down. Uh, Clearly uh, uh, kind of a momentous or historic day, if you will, in baseball history history in a lot of ways. Uh, This has been another edition of the Baseball America podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. Once again, for JJ Cooper, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening, everybody.